If you ever find yourself in Key West, Florida, you just may have the pleasure of meeting Robert. Robert is 111 years old. He has a sweet face, small round eyes, and a playful grin. Most people would agree you can't look at Robert and not smile. But they would also agree that he has caused car accidents, broken bones, job loss, divorce, and countless other misfortunes. You see, Robert is haunted. But that's not all. Robert is a doll. Back in 1981, a little baby was born in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Soon after, he was abandoned by his mother, and he died shortly after he was left behind. Nearly 40 years later, his mother has been convicted for his death, but not in the way you might think. From time to time, during the How Did We Miss That podcast, we may talk about details of crimes that some may find triggering or disturbing. Listener discretion is highly advised. everybody welcome back to another episode of how did we miss that i'm christine and i'm john and we are together again together again for another what? week i don't know yeah. it just came out i don't know i don't really know what i was saying there these both sound like really exciting stories but can i just can i say something sure they finally found a cause of death for gabby i thought we talked about it last week we didn't we didn't know the cause yet oh maybe it was just you and i talking about well that. i'm gonna play a clip because i i am a uh, what's the word Crystal brain, I guess. I don't know. I knew the cause of death before they announced the cause of death, which was strangulation. So do you mind if I play a little clip? Go for it. Do it. All right. Mr. Bounty Hunter is still looking for him, and he thinks that she must have been murdered brutally because they have still not released the cause of death. They released the manner of death, which is homicide. Right. And they say that gives some clues that rules out. Well, that gives some clues that rules out accident. It rules out, um, what were the other ones? Suicide. Um, So it rules those things out when you call it a homicide. But they still have not said it was death by strangulation, gunshot, you know, blunt head trauma, whatever. And so... Dog also came out and said, you know, there's a lot of wildlife in that area. So maybe the body mm. was kind of, de- you know, she could have been killed from strangulation, for for example. And now her body is like completely mutilated because of the, animals. the animals and the vultures and whatever got a hold of it. Right. Because it was several days Ugh, that's awful. that Ugh. she was um, there before she was found. That's so terrible. There you have it, folks. Death by strangulation, as called by yours truly. You seem so happy, though. I mean, I'm sad. <laughs> we should tone the happiness. <laughs> I just, how did I do that? Because you're smart. After reading all the stories and whatever, I just had a feeling it was something well, like that. Because he didn't have any weapons, so we thought or heard. How else do you really kill somebody? Unless you have access to poison or weapons or you bludgeon them or whatever. The easiest way is to choke them out. Right. And I feel like if it was gunshot, for example, or stab wounds, they would have seen the trauma. Yeah. So those probably would have been yeah. obvious, and they probably would have said that a lot sooner. Yeah. So, you know, there's that cause mm-hmm. of death, but still, they still haven't found Brian Laundry, which is upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Very. All right. 
All right. Go well, for it. in keeping with my Halloween theme, since it's the spooky month of October, Ooh. I'm going to tell you another Halloween type story. Halloweeny. Halloweeny story. Yes, I like it. Um, my sources are Atlas Obscura, ghostsandgravestones.com, and hauntedrooms.co.uk. <laughs> I'm laughing because this just sounds like all the things you would regularly search. All the things Halloween. No, just you and your true crime brain. I'm going to look at ghosts and goblins and scary things. I know, all the things I enjoy. You true crime ladies are like, live in a secret dark place. Mm. Yeah. Yes, we do. Yeah, all right. Well, so I told you the exorcist last week. So this week, I'm going to tell you the story that inspired the Child's Play franchise. Oh. Yes. Awesome. Chucky. I always just assumed that it had something to do with being completely made up. Like, I didn't think it was a real thing. Yeah. But apparently, it was based on Robert. So I'm going to tell you all about Robert today. By the end of this month, if you tell me that all these classics like uh, Friday the 13th and Halloween and all that were inspired by true events, I'm going to lose my mind. (laughs) I'm already freaked out by the last one you told last week. I know. It's pretty scary, huh? And now this is true as well? Oh, my God. Well, wait till you hear about Robert. Wow. Okay. So, here we go. Robert currently resides in the Fort East Martello Museum in Key West, Florida. Originally made by, I think it's Stafe, the Stafe Company, who coincidentally, they were actually the company that made the first teddy bear that was named for President Theodore Roosevelt. Hmm. It seems as though Robert was never actually meant to be a toy, but rather part of a display of clowns or jesters. That's already scary enough. Yeah. So as you can imagine what Robert might look like, it's not the most pleasant thing to look at. (laughs) But before Robert found his way to the museum, he was the property of Robert Eugene Otto. Robert the boy, who went by Gene, received Robert the doll. Who went by? Just Robert Robert the doll. Robert the doll. Okay. Yeah. As a birthday present from his grandfather, who bought him on a trip to Germany in the early 1900s. And I'm, I'm wondering if he decided to go by Gene because Robert the Doll was Robert the Doll and it would be confusing. I don't know. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Something I was thinking about. Why not just call one Bob and the other one? Writing the story. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Mm-mm. Bob and Rob. Yeah. I mean, why not? Sounds like a new podcast coming your way, the Bob and Rob show. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it was during these times, I feel like Eugene and Robert would absolutely have a podcast. Yes. All right. I do actually want to mention, though, that it's also believed that Robert was given to Jean as a gift from a, I think it's Bahamian, I believe that's how you say that, Bahamian servant of the family who many believe was caught practicing voodoo and then dismissed. Before she left, though, she put a curse on the doll for revenge. Mm. That sounds a lot more exciting than Grandpa gave it this to This sounds him. like a movie already. It does. Yeah. It's a lot more exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, And I also think that that might be the little twist of... You know how Chucky got his demon inside of him or whatever. Yeah, okay. So the boy and the doll very quickly became inseparable. You may even say that it was a bit of an unhealthy relationship. Gene mm-hmm. took Robert everywhere and even referred to him in the first person as if he were an actual living being. And while this seems like adorable childhood behavior, some of the adults began to notice strange things as well. His parents would sometimes hear Gene talking to the doll and then getting a reply in a completely different voice. Yikes. They even reported hearing the doll speak when there was no one else in the room and seeing his expression change. Gene would also blame mishaps on the doll. He would say, 
it was Robert's fault. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm already creeped out. Yeah. Just wait. As an adult, Gene became an eccentric artist and lived in a stately home he called the Artist's House. Because, I mean... Yeah, it's a little on the nose, but, you know... Yeah, kind of an obvious name. Yeah, I got it. He lived there with his wife, Anne. Anne could never explain it, but she always felt as though Robert were watching her, and she asked Gene to put him in the attic. He complied, but soon began to hear strange reports from the school children walking by the house each day. They would see Robert disappear and then reappear again right before their eyes, and even mock them as they passed. Knowing that he had placed Robert in the attic and that there was no way he was in the upstairs bedroom, Gene went to investigate only to find Robert sitting in the window of the upstairs bedroom. Is this real? I'm like, I'm freaking, I'm shaking. Apparently. This is not, not right. This is not good. Apparently. We have a lot of dolls and toys in our house and I'm not going to sleep tonight. And we I need my rest. We have a lot of dolls. We have a few dolls. Not a lot of dolls. I will say. Okay. And so far I'm not feeling like those dolls have done anything. <laughs> I guess, yeah. Not All right, yet. well, this happened several times, by the way. Gene would put him in the attic, and Robert would find his way back to the window hmm. each time. When Gene passed away in 1974, the house and Robert became the property of Myrtle Reuter. Sounds like a good name. Yeah. Visitors to her home claimed that they could hear footsteps and giggling in the attic, and some said they would notice his expression change whenever someone spoke ill of the house or its previous owner. Her 10-year-old daughter reported that she would frequently find Robert sitting on the end of her bed and that she thought he wanted to hurt her. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. Growing tired of Robert's shenanigans, Myrtle donated him to the museum in 1994. Since then, he's actually become quite famous. I did not know this. Visitors came to the museum in droves to see him and leave him candy. Because somewhere it came out that he's got a sweet tooth, I guess. I don't know. He's a doll. Right. He's been on TV shows. He's had his aura photographed. He's got tons of souvenirs depicting his face. He's the stop on a ghost tour. But most importantly, he's inspired not only Chucky and Child's Play, but his own horror movie as well. There's actually a movie called Robert. Yeah, I've seen this. I was You've looking seen Robert at the, the picture. Doll? I've seen this somewhere around the internet or something. This photo of this doll. I've never but seen But I didn't know anything about it. So, yeah, please carry on. I had no idea. Visitors to the museum have reported that their camera will stop working when they take a picture of Robert, only to begin working again as soon as they leave the museum. Staff says that they will notice Robert in a completely different position than he was left in, and they even give advice to visitors on how to approach Robert. Be respectful and ask first to take a picture, they say. The most interesting thing about Robert's fans, though, is that he gets around one to three letters a day. He's more popular than we are. I know. His caretaker, the curator of the exhibit, Corey Convertito, explains that she tries to answer the letters that come from children because she thinks Robert would definitely want to, you know, answer the kids, be nice to kids. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Um, She says, though, that some of them are quite weird. The creepiest part is that the majority of the letters are apologies. Apologies Hmm. for making fun of Robert or for being disrespectful while visiting the museum. Oh, because now they're cursed. You see, they all believe misfortune has befallen them because of Robert. Wow. All right, we're watching this movie. I'm a little afraid to watch it because now that I know it's I want to see what all the hype is about. We got to go visit this doll. I don't want to visit the doll. 
This is insane. If I do, I'm going to be all like Harry Potter hippogriff and like bow first. Oh yeah, I'd be like, "Hi, Robert. We love you, Robert. Are we going to be? Are we fucked now though? Because we're talking about him on this podcast? No, we're not being disrespectful. Oh my gosh, Uh, Robert, if you're listening, we love you. You're the best. You've done great things, Robert. So great, Robert. Yeah, don't come and haunt our house, please. No. Mm -mm. So that's Robert. The that was a short little ditty. I know. I told you it was going to be really short tonight. Yeah. Didn't we see in the remake of Chucky last year? That they told the backstory of how he became Chucky. It was like a faulty microchip or something. Yes. Which, I mean, in this, you know, digital age, as people like to say. Yeah. That makes a lot more sense than like a crazy demon. Yes, it does. Possessing the doll. Right. You just said crazy. And if this is about Robert, Robert, you're not crazy. No, no, no. Crazy is bad. Don't no, say crazy. No, we're talking about Chucky. Oh, Chucky's crazy. Chucky's I crazy. I still don't think you can say crazy nowadays, but anyway. We'll he on. is crazy. <laughs> Even in the, the sense that you think I'm trying to make fun of. He really is crazy. He is. You're right. <laughs> All right. But I'm going to talk about a woman who I, I'm not sure if she's crazy. She just was, as she says in her own words, young and stupid back in 1981. Weren't we all? I was two. Not in 1981. You weren't alive I wasn't yet. alive yeah. yet. This is the story of Teresa Jostin Bentos. I think I'm saying that correctly. Mm-hmm. Um. She became pregnant when she was 19 years old in 1980 and decided not to tell anyone, including the baby's father, like you do. She did eventually marry the father, but still didn't disclose her pregnancy. I'm guessing Wait, he, what? I, I, I was guessing that he found out later, and I put that in my notes here, but he didn't, which we'll talk about in a little bit. He never knew she was oh, pregnant. Okay, I see. I was trying to figure how, out how that worked, but it must have been like later. Yes, okay. they got married later, yes. She gave birth secretly in her apartment on February 27th, 1981. She wrapped the boy, the baby boy, in a blanket, got in her car, and drove him to where he died by the side of the road. The next morning, a man with a group of friends spotted a wine-colored blanket in a ditch along a cornfield while they were test-driving a jeep. When they stopped and took a closer look, they saw the baby... Trigger warning... With the umbilical cord and placenta still attached. Oh dear! Honey. So she like legit gave breath and breath. breath gave birth, and just like oh my god, wrapped it up, drove it, and dumped it. Wow! At least cut the thing. Now you've given birth twice. Nice. Yeah. Do you think you could just go drive? First of all, could you birth the baby by yourself in an apartment, and no. then could you just go drive? You know, however many miles away. Nope. Like I, physically, I feel like you wouldn't be able to do that. But she did. I mean, if it was the only thing I could do, then probably, but. Yeah, I don't know. No. The group of friends reported that they're fine to the police who responded and began an investigation like they would. Authorities at the time said that the baby had lived a couple of hours before finally succumbing to exposure to the cold. You know, it's February in South Dakota. I think it gets like brutally cold there. I'm not really sure of their climate. But. I mean, I would assume, yeah, I think so. I, I get south and north screwed up because I'm dumb. So I thought like, far, I was thinking like Fargo, North Dakota. But no, South Dakota, I I'm still think it's cold though. I'm wondering too though, how much of it was the placenta still being attached and it not being cleaned. And oh, we're going to get to that. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying that because of the winter there, I could see this as a cause of death. You're sure. putting a newborn in the cold right, in February, sure. you know. First of all, I forgot. Have you heard of this case or this lady? I have not. Oh, good. I wasn't the only one that missed it then. Well, a pathologist who reviewed baby Andrew as he became known by authorities in the community, they just named him Andrew John Doe, 
I don't mm. know why where they came up with Andrew, but the, uh, he reviewed his autopsy and determined that blood loss from the still attached umbilical cord may have been contributed or mm. may have contributed okay. to his death. There we go. Because you know they cut the cord and then tie it up and then all your blood stays in you. I guess does it just yeah. would, would it just all leak out if that didn't happen? Is the know. belly button the key to our blood holding in? No. <laughs> Did I say that right? <laughs> nope. All right. Anyway, the discovery of the body stunned Sioux Falls residents like it would, who took Andrew into their hearts. Nearly fifty strangers attended his burial at the time, and members of the community mourned him for quite some time. The man who found Andrew's body even said in 2019 that he considers the boy a long-lost son and would have happily adopted him rather than see him die this way. Detectives had very little to go on at the time, of course. The only items at the scene were the blanket that I mentioned earlier, a sheet, a shirt, and a pair of women's underwear. She probably just wrapped up everything that had anything to do with it. Oh, there you go. When I read this, I was like, that's weird. Why why did you leave behind a pair of underwear? Well, I'm sure she was wearing it when she went into labor. And of course, in 1981, DNA testing was still more than a decade away. So the items and tips called into the investigators was really all they had. So they had these four things and They did have DNA testing, but it wasn't anything like what we have now. Right. Like they they would tell you like a blood type, but like that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, investigators worked diligently, but unfortunately, they just had nothing to work with. After receiving a few tips, they did visit some leads but found the women to be still pregnant or holding their newborn babies when they answered the door. So it ain't them, right? Nope. <laughs> the leads quickly dried up over the years, and while the story remained popular locally in Sioux Falls, with plenty of media attention, the leads just weren't there, and the case eventually went cold. Fast forward to 2009, when authorities decided to have Andrew's body exhumed. Wow, that's weird. Well, they just stuck with the case. I guess there's not a lot going on in Sioux Falls, so they weren't giving up. So like, hey, let's just dig up this baby. Yeah. So they were bored. They exhumed him. Exhumed. 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 Sounds exuberating. Him. It does. <laughs> the remains were sent to the University of North Texas Health and Science Center, where lab workers were able to extract DNA from the mosquito that was in the amber. No, I'm kidding. Oh, I was like, what? They were really? able to extract DNA from the bones that they dug up. Right. Andrew was returned to his grave about nine months later while investigators worked with their new lead, which was the DNA and technology. The DNA was entered into the South Dakota criminal databases at least once per year between 2009 and 2019, but never produced a match. But wait, there's more. (gasps) We have to do it at least once per show. This isn't that shocking, but you've heard of genetic genealogy, right? Yes, we've talked about it many a time. I was going to say, you all should have heard of it if you listen to our show, because I believe... I mentioned it in a story a couple months ago about the guy from Maine and Alaska and whatever. And I believe that that? one of our, maybe our second story was a person who was captured because of genetic genealogy. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. Anyway, when public genealogy databases became a popular new law enforcement tool in 2018, investigators had renewed hope in the case that they clearly hadn't given up on. They spent several months working with Parabon Nanolabs. Remember them? Oh, yes, I do. Parabon used the DNA from Andrew's exhumation and found two potential family trees. Detectives used the internet and birth marriage records to narrow down their pool of suspects, and they came upon a woman who had teenagers, kids who were teenage, teenager aged in 1981, and they always expected the mother of Andrew was probably a teenager. So they connected it right. to this woman in this family tree. That led them to Teresa Bentos, 
whose maiden name was Jostin in 1981, investigators were able to obtain DNA samples from beer cans and beer bottles outside the Bentos home of Teresa and her husband, Dirk. Dirk. Who she married in 1987. And he was the baby's father. So they got married well after the baby was born. Finally, in 2019, Teresa was arrested and charged with the murder of her son that she gave birth to in 1981. Dirk was not charged because he had no knowledge of the pregnancy, birth, or the death. Right. So even though DNA matches him as well, he's got nothing to do with this. So here's what I really wanted to talk about. That's just a brief history. The crime is not what I wanted to talk about. Bentos was charged with first-degree murder, second-degree murder, and first-degree manslaughter. Okay? Okay. The first-degree murder charge can result in life in prison or even the death penalty, according to South Dakota law. Right. Well, last Friday, just a week ago, after several sentencing delays and court delays and COVID and all that other blah, blah, blah stuff, Bentos, who is now 60 years old, entered an Alford plea. Have you heard of this? No. So this is what I wanted to talk about. This is what I missed. This popped up on a news feed about this woman in this whole story. So I went down a rabbit hole. I'm like, what the heck is an Alford plea? She entered it on the charge of first degree manslaughter in the Minnehaha County courtroom. Minnehaha. Just last Friday. Well, I didn't know what an Alford plea was. Um, Apparently I missed that, as did you. But this plea is known as a best interest plea allowing a defendant to maintain their innocence while still accepting the consequences of a guilty verdict. Oh, okay. As a result of this plea, the two murder charges were dropped, and Bentas essentially agreed that a jury of her peers would likely find her guilty of giving birth to her son and abandoning him, which ultimately led to his death. So basically, she's admitting that the evidence found throughout the case would likely persuade the judge or jury to find her guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, but she doesn't have to admit it. I'm not sure how that works. Yeah, that's strange. The Alford pleas are permissible in most states in the U.S. How have we never heard of this? I don't know. This is like, I mean, she still has to pay her dues. Right, right. You know, but I want to know if this works in all facets, facets of life. So hear me out. So... Yeah, I know there's evidence. I know you caught me cheating on you, but I'm saying I didn't do it, so I guess I didn't. Does that does that work? I'm I'm entering an Alfred plea of cheating. I know there's evidence. I know you caught me, but I'm I didn't do it. I'm not admitting to it. I will not admit to it. Not guilty. Mm-hmm. <laughs> do I still have to face the consequences? Well, if she did it on the manslaughter charge, <laughs> I guess that makes sense because. I feel like what she's probably trying to say is like, look, I, I killed the, the baby died, but, but that I was not my them. intent. Yeah. It, it wasn't, there was like to say uh, malice, I guess right. there was like no malice involved. Right. She wasn't trying to purposely hurt the yeah. baby. So that's probably what she's going for. So she's saying I didn't do it, but yeah, well, I did. The way I read this or understand it is she's kind of saying, like, I'm willing to accept all the consequences, but I want to still maintain my innocence. Like, I'm, right. I, I didn't do anything wrong. Right. But I did. I don't know. It's confusing. Well, anyway, despite the plea, she could be sentenced up to life in prison without possibility of parole and is currently in custody awaiting final sentencing, which is scheduled for December. All right. But this just broke this whole plea and everything uh, last week. 
She was convicted in 2019. It took 40 years to get to this point. But Sioux Falls, man, never gave up. Good for them. That's awesome. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know, I'd love to hear more of her story. Because I wonder if she's kind of put herself in her own prison this whole time. She's got to know that the baby died. I mean, it sounds like it was all over the place. Well, I feel like she would. Yeah, she must have. But she's 60 now. 40 years had passed. She said, I was young and stupid. If you felt bad about it, why not turn yourself in earlier? Would you? (laughs) I mean, I feel like if she said. got away with it. Like, I don't know. Maybe that's why they're trying to get her on first degree. I mean, first to answer your question. Yes, I would. Because I'm an upstanding citizen. I'm a good person. Right. First of all, I wouldn't kill my baby. And second of all, I would admit exactly. to it if I did. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I feel like yeah. 40 years is a long time. Hmm. So that's great now that you're 60 and saying I'm young and stupid. What's the longest you're going to last in prison? 20 years maybe if you're lucky? Yeah. Well, I hope I she know. lived a good life being a lying liar that lies, as you like to say. Lying liar that lies. All right. That's all right. my story. Criminals out there, watch it. Yeah. We're coming for you. Yeah, the genealogy will get you there's no getting away with this i'm feeling like a bunch of serial killers out there are like hey third cousin bob please don't do that ancestry.com thing (laughs) can you not do the 23 and me please yes (laughs) no they're probably killing all their family so they don't ever do that gotta bury all the traces plus here's what you gotta do everyone killers don't kill people don't (laughs) yes don't do that but playing devil's advocate and seeing both sides of every story that's Mm -hmm. what i do i'm fair okay if you are gonna kill people Acid, meat grinder, the leave behind. From the meat grinder. No, no. Then you put the the ground meat in acid. Oh or my! Bake that's it in like a pie. Really decimating. Like Sweeney Todd. That's so what I'm saying. Like leave no bones behind. Leave no trace. Leave no trace. Only footsteps. Don't leave those either. And then you, you don't I mean, leave a footstep. No. Yeah. Leave no trace. Or wear like and then you really get away with it. Nikes that everybody has or something. All right. Now that we've told everyone how to get yes. away with their murders, <laughs> we should probably wrap this up. And don't dump bodies in the river, which we've learned. No, go for the ocean. Go for the ocean. Although, will the salt preserve them? I don't think. I don't think so because I think animals will eat it before that was even. And it's a so possibility. deep. Like there's no, you know, they'll, they'll never find it. Mm, only if you weigh it down. If you don't, well, d- duh. What, are you going to have it float to the top? Well, yeah. If you don't, gases in the body, the as the body decomposes, will whoop. Yeah, what I'm saying from a killer's perspective is why would you not wait it down? Because maybe you're young this and is, dumb this and is you don't know. body disposal And you didn't hear this episode of our <laughs> podcast, so you didn't know that that happens. Okay. Well, body disposal 101, at least in the murder classes I've taken, weigh the body down. If you're going to go for a, a water burial. Okay. We've like gotten right. <laughs> way off anyway. the uh, rails here. Yes, we have. All right. Well, if you want any more information about these cases, please make sure to follow us on social media at How Did We Miss That? And until next week, keep your head up and look out for each other.